listeners, and welcome to the 22nd episode of the Always Drive podcast, your weekly look at the latest news from the car, truck, and motorcycle industries, where we take everything but ourselves seriously. I'm your host, Devlin Riggs, and I'm coming to you less than 12 hours before a flight to Hawaii. Uh, I am off on vacation next week. My wife has a conference down there, and uh, we are taking the week before as a chance to go climb some volcanoes and uh, generally enjoy ourselves because it's been about a year since our last real trip, and that was to Seattle where we had a great time. So now we're taking the opportunity of the conference to see a new part of the world. And uh, to that point, I will not be publishing a podcast next week, so... Uh, Just keep your hats on, and we'll pick it up the week afterwards. I think everybody needs a week off every once in a while, and that is certainly true for myself. But this week is not a week off, so let's kick it off with our top stories. If you've been paying attention to any news this week, you'll understand why our first story again is Uber, the company that just won't quit being terrible. Uh, The week started out with Uber's board approving a report that, by all accounts, indicated that it is a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad place to work, and that the company's CEO, Travis Kalanick, had only aided that culture. The culture probe was carried out by former U.S. Attorney General Eric Holder, so that is certainly an indication of how seriously the board thought the problem was. The board apparently discussed a leave of absence for Kalanick on Sunday, but the first domino to fall was Chief Operating Officer Emerald Michael, who was ousted on Monday, apparently as a result of the probe. Then came word that Kalanick, still the CEO at this point, had written a sex guide for his employees, basically telling them how to bang one another. While, in a rela- while a relationship policy is far from the worst thing to have at a place of employment, particularly after your business reaches its 50th market and your expansion is astronomical, uh, even if that sometimes came despite local regulations against it, a uh, rambling memo, a memo instructing your employees to have sex with another only after consent was explicitly granted and only if the two par- participants worked in separate chains of command does not exactly cut it. Also this week, audio was released of an Uber board of directors meeting wherein a member and billionaire ancient guy David Bonderman made a sexist remark. While... An off-of-the-cuff remark now and then from a septuagenarian may not raise red flags. The context matters more in this case. When fellow board member Ariana Huffington mentioned the lack of other female board members and females in leadership positions in general at Uber, uh, bringing up the benefits female members would bring to those positions, Bonderman casually responded that actually more women board members would mean more talking. Get it? Because women like to talk so much, you know. Ah, just just hilarious. That's, that's just comedy gold there, David. And, and your comedic timing is just spot on, you know, right as a woman is talking about exclusionism. That's just perfect. Nothing kills the vibe like old school sexism. And guess what? He's since resigned his position. Uh, all of this resulted this week in the indefinite leave of absence for Travis Kalanick, the CEO, whose internal memo said that in order for Uber 2.0 to work out, he needed to work on Travis 2.0 to provide the company with the leadership it deserves. And 
he's not incorrect, and Uber has a lot of work to do in order to get past these just perpetual scandals. But perhaps not having Kalanick in the top role will help speed the change. But another nail in Uber's coffin this week came as Jaguar Land Rover dumped buckets of cash in the amount of about $24 million into the hands of their fierce rival Lyft. Um, Their investment, which apparently came from Jaguar's mobility company in motion, whatever a mobility company is, Car companies or mobility companies. Uh, The investment will allow the companies to start collaborating on ride-sharing and autonomous driving. So Uber has their fancy Volvos, and now Lyft is going to have Jags. And uh, I think I know which I'd rather be driving. Uh, While Uber continues to wreck themselves, Richard Hammond this week did his best Uber impression while driving the Rimac Concept 1 electric supercar in Switzerland. This happened on the roadway for the Hamburg Hill Climb while filming for the next season of the Grand Tour. Richard's okay except for a knock to the knee, but by the looks of the car and the reactions of his colleagues, it definitely could have been much worse. According to Jeremy Clarkson's recounting of the event, Richard went off the end of the road at the end of the hill climb at about 120 miles an hour, flipped off of a ridge, and onto the top of the car, which then proceeded to burst into flames. And no one's really quite sure how Richard got himself out or just managed to sustain a knee injury out of the whole thing. Uh, He had been driving the car for four days already and had completed the hill climb several times prior to the wreck, so it's not like he was unfamiliar with the car. Um, But this also isn't the first time Richard has had a major motor vehicle accident. Um, Earlier this year, he was knocked unconscious when his motorcycle apparently fell over on him in Mozambique. And in 2006, most fans will remember he ended up in a coma after a jet-powered drag car crashed while filming Top Gear, flipping over several times. Uh, While Richard is okay, the car is a total loss, uh, resembling more a smoldering pile of my attempt at making dinner uh, than a car. While uh, any car could have gone up in flames when flipped off the hill, electric vehicles, which are of course, armed with potent lithium-ion batteries that start fires when exposed to air, seem much more combustible when the shit hits the fan, as it so obviously did here. But uh, absolutely best wishes to Richard for a quick return to health. Um, This week, Lexus had a commercial air during the Stanley Cup Finals that focused on the exhilarating performance of their IS sedan, which... To be clear, is not at all Lexus's most exhilarating car. Take a listen to this commercial and just see how it makes you feel at the end. How do I explain it? It was exhilarating, nimble, responding to my every touch. Moving faster than the wind. That feeling of pure driving. It was amazing. The 2017 Lexus IS. Ah, that just makes you feel good about life, right? And not at all like everything you love and care for is being destroyed by the robots who are going to take away our ability to drive, right? Uh, I realize you can't see it just by listening, but the commercial ends with the actor leaning back in his self-driving pod as it merges onto a futuristic highway. Um... 
forgetting for a moment that Lexus is basically threatening that you will become obsolete sometime in your lifetime, I think the message is just a tiny bit too drastic and a bit too doom and gloom. And this came from Lexus Canada, and it's been out for a little while, but I just came across it this week. Uh, sure, we may have self-driving pods for the futuristic highways, and that's fine. Highway driving sucks. But for the back roads where they actually showed the IS driving in the commercial, I don't think they're going to take that away from us anytime soon. So that's it for our top stories this week. Let's get into some quick hits. If you thought you'd heard the last of BlackBerry, the company most associated with middle managers in the 2000s who wanted to look like big shots, they are making a comeback, and in the automotive sector of all areas. BlackBerry has developed a fleet tracking service known as Radar, which uses $400 boxes to collect and transmit information on the movement, temperature, and payloads of tractor trailers to their company's headquarters. They're working right now with Titanium Transportation in Canada to implement the technology on 1,300 truck trailers, the idea being that the tracking will allow companies to increase efficiencies, reducing costs, and the number of trucks on the road. After several failed attempts at becoming the next iPhone, which itself became the next BlackBerry, BlackBerry refocused itself on serving companies with tech needs that the truck tracking radar system is just one of many new ideas coming from the former phone maker. So far, things seem to be working out with stock prices up 70% in just two months, but that could all change if they try to create a keyboard that slides down from the steering wheel of these trucks. Just keep it simple, BlackBerry. Speaking of the company that tried to kill BlackBerry, Apple's efforts in the automotive sector were in the news this week as CEO Tim Cook spoke about Apple's autonomous driving program publicly for the first time. Apparently, since 2014, Apple has hired more than a thousand engineers to work on the autonomous driving technology, but have suspended any plans to build a car themselves. Unfortunately for Apple, talks with BMW, Daimler, and McLaren all have failed to land in any solid deals, meaning Apple is far behind some other companies, at least when it comes to real-world testing. Cook really effectively summarized the three areas of disruption for the automotive industries, with ride-sharing, electric vehicles, and autonomous cars all being exciting new areas for development. He also called autonomous driving tech the most challenging AI system ever, which I think is appropriate unless you include the very human-like robot also known as Tim Cook. Fellow tech company Amazon was cited this week in a report claiming they will begin selling cars online in Europe. They have already been selling the Fiat 500, James and James May's favorite car, the Fiat Panda, online in Italy as part of a trial, but the report says that they're ready to expand beyond a couple of unreliable Italian cars to selling many different brands throughout Europe. Well, I'm a huge fan of Amazon. I even have their credit card. I just can't picture myself sitting in my bed, browsing on my iPad, and clicking add to cart after a few glasses or bottles of wine. It just sounds way too dangerous. While it may have been on sale uh, in May in a few states, Chevy is moving up the timeline for the Bolt EV's national sales debut to August. It's not often that you hear of deadlines getting pushed forward, and it does seem remarkable, uh, like a remarkable coincidence that Tesla claims that it's going to have its smaller Model 3 start rolling off the production line in August. Elon Musk has been known to be a bit cheeky sometimes, so could Chevy be giving him a taste of his own medicine? I say good on you, Chevy. 
Volvo doesn't have any electric vehicles right now, which is a oversight that they are scrambling to fix before they are completely left behind. Fortunately for them and all of us gearheads, Auto Express is reporting that Polestar, Volvo's performance brand, will be developing their own electric vehicles focused on, well, performance. We've seen this before from Mercedes AMG performance company coming out with the SLS AMG electric drive, so it's not uncharted territory, but I'm happy to learn that the Swedes are getting in on the electric performance game. If only Polestar had a name that sounded a little more like thrilling driving performance instead of the next girl to welcome to the stage. Uh, 13 states this week signed a letter to sent to Donald Trump saying that they would fight with all legal means available any measures he takes to roll back vehicle efficiency regulations. While states can already decide for themselves what regulations to impose on vehicles sold or registered within their borders, a fact that made the likelihood of any broad changes pretty slim, states including California and New York have put their feelings on paper and sent it to the president's office. While Trump has not recently mentioned the emissions rollback, which makes it all the more strange that the states would go out of their way to call it to his attention, I'm sure he appreciates being reminded of all the ways he's going to make America great again. A company called Badnova has announced the BIV, which is a so-called smart speed bump that uses non-Newtonian fluid that will harden when struck with pressure like that of a fast-moving car, but will remain soft for those driving slowly over them. I don't know why someone hasn't thought of this years ago, because this would make parking lots so much more bearable. Uh, we don't have any word on the BIV's availability or rollout, but hopefully we will see it sometime soon. Now we're going to take a look at some new cars. <laughs> The Electronic Entertainment Expo, better known as E3, is super popular among video gaming geeks like myself, and where you learn about all new games coming out over the next year or so. Trailers are released, titles are dropped, and game companies like to pull out all the stops to show off their core to their core demographic. Uh, what's exciting for Petrolheads is that we saw uh, Forza 7 get announced and learn that Gran Turismo, the game I used to I used to learn to drive and completely skip driving school, is scrapping its reputation for having the most cars of any racing game and focusing back on the actual racing part of racing games. While I will miss the opportunity to race in Spoon, Apexy, and Racing Beat versions of stock cars, uh, Gran Turismo really is a great driving simulator, and racing is the ultimate form of driving, so it makes sense that they're going back to their roots. Uh, Forza 7 also looks fantastic with super realistic weather simulations built in. Um, sort of abnormally, Porsche also took to the stage after Forza, to announce a new car, and not just any new car, but the new 911 GT2 RS, which uh, is a 640 horsepower monster, generating that power from a twin-turbo 3.8-liter flat six that spins just the rear wheels. Uh, we don't have any details on a transmission or a release date, and Porsche actually referred to the reveal as a rumor that they wouldn't confirm when followed up by with press, with by press, followed up followed up press followed up and they wouldn't confirm that's what i meant speaking of gran turismo the absolute least gran turismo car the bmw 5 series gt a fat bloated jacked up sedan that looks like an overfull balloon of a bmw is getting killed off and set to be replaced with 
another fat, bloated, jacked-up sedan, the BMW 6 Series GT. Apparently, the move from the 5 Series to the 6 Series is to indicate that the car has grown up a bit. It's longer, lower, and lighter than the outgoing car, despite looking really similar, which is to say, really, really ugly. Uh, BMW continues their trend of making cars nobody really asked for and nobody really wants to see. But somehow people still keep buying them. Jaguar, meanwhile, is only building cars that people want and have just announced a car specifically for me. That is, of course, the new XF Sportbrake, the wagon version of the very gorgeous XF sedan. It takes this beauty to a whole new level of practicality. It is not only powered by the 380 horsepower supercharged V6, it is coming to America. And the wagon renaissance is definitely in full swing, but there are a couple of problems. The first being that Jaguar's less than sterling reputation for reliability means it might not be on my long-term checklist. The second being that I can only sell one kidney and it would require that I sell both to meet the $72,000 base price. Um, I cannot wait to see these on the road though. Um, while Dallara may not have the same recognition as Ferrari, the company has been making some of the fastest cars in, cars in the world for decades, uh, though you probably wouldn't have seen any of them on the road. And that's because Dallara makes chassis for race cars in Formula One and IndyCar and some other race series. But they've decided to expand their reach a little bit with their first ever road car, called the Dallara Stradale, which may be the most Italian-sounding car name ever. Uh, this is a sort of back-to-basics roadster intended to go after the Alfa Romeo 4C or even the more bare-bones KTM Expo. Expo. They, uh, they'll apparently have a 2.3-liter four-cylinder engine pumping out 400 horsepower, uh, through a manual transmission, which sounds like it'll probably come from Ford because they currently have an engine with those specs. Uh, they're aiming for a curb weight of just around 1,700 pounds, meaning it will be very, very light and very, very fast. It's also going to be very, very expensive and very, very Italian, so start saving your Delarios. Uh, we also got our first look at the Fisker E-Motion this week, uh, which Jalopnik rightly said looks a bit like an alien Tesla Model 3. And it, it truly does look like they took Elon Musk's upcoming car and just tacked on some chrome shit here and there just to say it looked different, which is a shame given how groundbreaking and interesting the Karma was. Sure, there are some obvious differences around the front end, but there will be definitely some brand confusion going on uh, if you look at it from the profile or rear view, uh, which is all the much more disappointing after hearing about the whole cab floor design that sounded look like we were going to be looking at a Lamborghini Diablo EV. Uh, as for performance, Fisker claims a 400 plus mile range with so-called ultra charging. Um, you know, Tesla has supercharging, so what's the next best thing? Ultra, baby. Uh, that will return, the ultra charging will return 100 miles of range in just 9 minutes, which is pretty impressive. Uh, it'll also have an electrochromatic glass roof that can either be clear or tinted based on the press of a button, which is pretty neat. Uh, for this neat feature and the neat range and the not-so-neat design, you'll have to squirrel away 130 grand, which is right at the top of the Tesla Model S territory, but then this should have better performance, so maybe it's worth the the bigger price. 
Um, I look forward to seeing these in my neighbor's driveways. Uh, never. Uh, the long-teased and very late-to-the-game Hyundai Kona was also revealed this week, and it looks sort of like a lime-green angular Nissan Juke. It's, uh, it's pretty telling that the Juke, which is one of the first real offbeat compact crossovers on the market, is being killed off in favor of the more traditional-looking and Brazilian-produced Nissan Kicks. Uh, there's also talk of the Jeep Cherokee with its sort of nostril running lights and bumper-mounted headlights uh, being refreshed to look more traditional moving forward as well. Uh, Hyundai took the opportunity of the Kona launch to mention that the Kona is not the only vehicle they're working on, with an even smaller crossover the size of a CHR or HRV upcoming, as well as a full-size SUV larger than their already decent-sized Tucson model. Hyundai knows that they are super, super late to take advantage of the booming interest in SUVs and crossovers, but they're hoping that they come what they come out with is interesting enough that people will still buy them over the more mainstream alternatives. Now that the Juke and Cherokee are going towards that mainstream, uh, they the Kona may reach this quirky crowd, or they may have missed out on a fad, and there's a reason that these other cars are being redesigned or scrapped. Finally this week, Aston Martin debuted a new model, uh, completing their transition from automotive brand to lifestyle company. Uh, and no, it's not a car, but rather shoes that they introduced. They are leather and nylon, and apparently made by Italian company Hogan, which sounds more like a wrestler than a shoe company, um, and will only be produced in a limited number. Hogan shoes typically run around $400 a pair, but you can be damn sure that the Astons will... Uh, be the same thing that they did with the Scion IQ, which is basically slap their name on it, tweak a few things, and sell it for a ridiculous amount of money, and people still buy it because, you know, money has no real value anymore. Um, for obituaries this week, uh, Waymo actually has bid farewell to its Firefly vehicles, uh, which were, uh, they've also been called koalas or gumdrops because of their small bubble-like QC sort of shape. Apparently, Google is focusing their efforts on self-driving Chrysler Pacificas since they are the size of an actual car that people would actually buy and actually drive. The Fireflies were one of the original vehicles designed from the outset to be self-driving and have sort of become the face of Waymo's autonomous division. They were very cute and will likely not be succeeded by similarly impractical cars, uh, which makes sense, but it is a little sad to lose the cuteness. And uh, next, finally, uh, not necessarily car-related, but the first man to drive in the Batmobile uh, in the cape and costume of Batman died this week. Uh, Adam West lost his battle with leukemia at the age of 88, um, but he was at the end of a long life where he brought many uh, joyous roles to TV and movies. And uh, some of his famous roles obviously included Batman and the ridiculous mayor of Cohagen Family Guy. So his sense of humor and wit will uh, definitely be missed. Um, I'm going to wrap it up a little bit early this week because I still have some packing to do before I leave tomorrow morning. Um, but for this week's call to action, uh, I want to encourage the rest of you to just take a break. Um, you know, I think... For a lot of creative people, uh, it, you can be your own worst critic. And sometimes it helps to just step back 
and relax for a little bit and recollect your thoughts and head back energized. So I'm hoping everyone will take a little bit of time this week, not take it, not take it so hard on themselves, and uh, get back to what they're doing with uh, full head of steam in, uh, in a week or so. So here, friends, is your moment of zen. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you in a couple weeks. Atomic batteries to power. Turbines to speed. Here, ready to move us. Oh.